Welcome, everybody, to the first 2010 Full Count. I'm your host, uh, Mark Wampler of the Richmond Rebels, and this week we've got a special guest host with us, uh, Craig Hunter of the Bulawayo Bulldogs. Hello, Craig. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Oh, great to have you. Great to have you. Uh, we needed a little fill-in on this first show since our old buddy Brent is out traveling a little bit again this weekend, and... Um, I'm sure everybody in the league knows that uh, Brent's got a few activities he's enjoying, shall we say. BDL should never take the place of a good woman, and I think Brent is showing us all that right firsthand. So that's absolutely, it. absolutely. And uh, I know uh, I know when Brent listens, listens to this, uh, everybody, we want to let him know that uh, we're all behind him and wish him the best for everything. Absolutely. And if he does actually let her listen to this, hello, and you're welcome to all our events. Just make sure to bring Brent along. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. We're going to do a little bit uh, different for this first show. Um, uh, we're going to change gears a, a little bit on it. Um, our friends at Stuck in the Ivy, and uh, they uh, usually do the um, predictions. And we're not going to do that. We're going to do something a little bit different um, and leave all the predictions to John and Craig um, and let them, those guys have it. What we're going to do is we're going to take five of the teams that have never made the playoffs, and these teams have worked very hard to get into playoff contention, and we're going to look at ways that they have done that, um, either by drafts or trades. Uh, some of the teams are closer than others, uh, and some still have a little ways to go. Uh, but we thought it would be a nice twist to include these guys and their efforts and what they've been trying to do uh, in the BDL. Um, Craig, I think we're going to start with the Amish Brotherhood in this one. That sounds great. Yeah, there's, there's the, all five teams we're going to talk about today are going to be interesting, but the Amish are definitely one of those teams that, uh, whether lightning rod or trying to play possum, are definitely uh, getting some attention in the BDL every year. Well, I think uh, saying this, I can speak for about everybody. Uh, old Joe has been a little hard to figure. Um, uh, Joe gets in a, in a spell he don't want to trade, then all of a sudden he makes some trades, and you can see the team going different directions. Um, in a three-year period, um, his one-loss record is 221 wins and 380 losses, um, starting in 07, then going through 09. Uh, the 07 year was was the worst with 51 wins and 144 losses, but that'll be credited to, to the old guy part of us remember as old Doc, uh, and that's when Joe took over. But since 07, um, in 08 he increased it to 73 wins, 133 losses. Then in 09 a big increase to 97 wins and 103 losses. So he seems to have that team going in the right direction. He's made a couple of trades that. Uh, could actually put Joe close to playoff contention this year. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I think he definitely has. I mean, obviously the the most notable trade that, that everybody kind of was shocked by was his big one with uh, Gotham. Uh, he and Scotty clearly had evidently been talking for a long time, and uh, it brought him in Felix and Grady and, and Pedroia, right. um, you know, key pieces that I think he thought he needed to, to, to fill. Uh, and, and he definitely did. I think uh, I liked his side of that trade uh, a little bit better. He gave up you know, Price and, and Miggy and, and such for for that uh, opportunity, but 
Um, but I think the youth and the power really helped him out. Uh, the thing that really surprised me about Joe, though, is that just what you said, he's, he's in reach of, of being a contender, most likely for the wild card given uh, the killer cars in that same division. But right, right. But he's right. definitely in reach, and his draft was so very young despite that. Um, he really went and grabbed a lot of guys, a lot of kids really, who are either um, skipped college or, or coming out of college early with, with, with some very green backgrounds. Um, very good prospects, very good B plus, A minus, you know, kind of prospects. Uh, but but there were some guys out there that really could have helped him this season that he took a pass on, and that, and that was kind of surprising to me. I thought he'd be a little more uh, interested in making that run this year, given what he's put together. Well, um, you know, looking at his lineup, his lineup, with the exception of maybe, okay, um, Travis Hefner, uh, his lineup right now is pretty young. And he's set in some positions to go for quite a while, I think. And I think that's part of the reason he went young in the draft was thinking that he didn't necessarily have to have them right now. Yeah, um, I would have liked to have seen him taken. And actually, this was obviously a point of contention, and, and um, I talked to him about it in, in multiple rounds leading up to when I actually took him. I, I was surprised he never took Tejada given his, his reliance on, on Terrio at shortstop. Um, and, and like you said, Pronk, uh, at, at the DH is a very risky play given that he's really not performed to his, to his ability. Um, and when you look at his bench hitters, he really doesn't have a power hitter he can put into the DH slot. In, on top. No, exactly. No, that's a, you're exactly right. He doesn't have that. Um, generally, a lot of the teams, if you watch how they operate off the bench, they've either got at least one really good power hitter and one really good stolen base guy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the rotation in and out according to what you need. Yep. And exactly. in that area, he, he really doesn't have that. Um, I mean, I know the season's a little, well, not even started, but it's young yet as far as trading. And like I said about Joe, sometimes he'll trade and surprise you, and sometimes it'll be months before you hear anything from him. Yep. The other grab I was, I was shocked to see that he didn't go for, or, or, or you know, and I think if, if and when he does more trades in the preseason, I think he's got to look at this. Um, you know, he doesn't have a closer on this team. No, um, right, yeah. That was that was one thing I was going to bring up. That was, um, so, so when Matt Lindstrom was sitting out there in the draft or when he was talking trades with a couple of these guys, I'm really shocked, even if it was a throw-in closer, to have something there so that they're not <laughs> donut every week. Uh, I think that's going to be a glaring hole because right now, going into any week, he's giving up an automatic loss. He's, he's conceding it, um, and that's that's risky. Exactly, and if you if you look at it on paper with no closers, you have lost 23 games before the season starts. Yep. And we know how close some of the divisions have been and even the wild cards, and 23 losses, that's hard to swallow, and that's hard to make up with your other categories. Yeah. Yep, and, and 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 again, since we're you know you're talking, I, I think you're talking about the wild card of him. It's not about having mm-hmm. to compete with the killer cars and whatnot, but it's about having to put up at least three to four saves on average a week so that you can at least be competitive and, and perhaps even tie or take that category. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. he, he's really not um, from the rumblings I've heard. He's not made any efforts with anybody as far as a closer. Um, so. I know he's had a couple of talks, but, but he hasn't pushed it as hard as he did for Felix or others, which, you know, to be fair, the, the, the players he got were, were top end. But uh, exactly. I think he kind of feels a push-pull. I think he's got – I think he's really in love with the lineup he's got, and he doesn't want to give up any key pieces. But um, his secondary bench pieces aren't really going to net him that closer he needs unless he's willing to pair him with something a little stronger. 
No, you're you're exactly right there. He's going to have to give up something for that, um, and I think it's it's finally come to light how how valuable they are in the league, or how much everybody values them. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different philosophies on how to use them. Some like two and three, and some like five, right. um, and with with less starters. Um, and that's been pretty apparent over the few years. That uh, uh, I think now, uh, if you really paid attention to a lot of the trades that went on since the end of last season starting pitching is a piece of gold it's premium um if you get a quality starter you're really going to have to give something up and and the closers have kind of followed suit with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and he's actually done pretty well on the on, i think we know we we know from the uh the starting pitching side he's not um he's not one of the heaviest teams when it comes to the starters he's got, but he's got a couple good key guys that should produce well. The Felixes, the Oh yeah, Jubilee, yes, yes. a lot of uh, I always get that name screwed up, the, the Jimenez and Yeah, that's a hard one for me too. Yeah. Uh, uh, a couple guys that are kinda of questionable older with, with potential to be decent, the Pedros, the Westbrooks. You know, so it'll right. be interesting to see what his pitching does, uh, given what he's got going there. Yeah, that's um I mean to me he, he's he, he's still a little light in pitching. Um, he's got a few arms that are okay. I won't say unreliable, but are not who you would want to start the season with if you had to depend on them. Yeah. And then, then a couple could surprise. Um, one in particular would be Liriano. Yeah. Um, We've been that saying that many seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Everybody keeps hoping. I think for him, but um, you know, that'll just have to wait and see how that pans out. Um, uh, okay, a couple that uh, that stood out to me was Brandon Morrow. Yeah. Um, I think Hochevar could have a good season. Um, you have you have uh, Gavin Floyd, who is a big question mark in the you know that White Sox rotation is actually really good, but he's had some injury problems and he hasn't been as reliable. So he's definitely got bodies to put out there. The question is going to be. In any given week, does he have five guys he'll put out there no matter what, or is everything going to be a matchup and and uh, ERA kind of base decision with him? Right, right, right. And that's I don't think he's got the flexibility to do that yet, as far as picking and choosing. He oh. almost has to throw everything he's got that's available. Um, but he did improve it. I, I will give him that. He did improve it, and I think he'll improve on the ninety-seven wins from last year. Um, I mean, I can see him going going over the hundred win mark. I think he definitely should, especially with the bats that he improved. I mean, the the the, the top of that that batting order, that Weeders, Teixeira, uh, Pedroia. I mean, that alone with with Grady um, on the bottom should really put him in contention over a lot of teams on the power and and uh, average numbers. Um, you know, how far over that he gets, I think, is going to be more on. Whether or not Chu hits like he did last year or two years ago, whether we're exactly, exactly. were yeah, that sort of thing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, I guess we can uh, we can jump to another team now. Um, number two on our list would be the Rockland Rockets. Mike Polidoro. And if I didn't say that right, I'm going to hear about it. <laughs> and you will. Um, and I will, yes. Uh, Mike's done a lot with that team. He's probably, if not the most active, he's in the top two. He would have to be as far as making moves in different ways. Um, some I've kind of looked at and, and really shocked me. Um, uh, one that stood out to me was the was Adam Lynn move. 
Um, but in the three years, uh, the Rockets from 07 to 09, in 07, they were a playoff team at 118 wins and 85 losses, but that team was controlled by the Zerkers. Uh, 08, they were 67 and 25. That's when he dismantled it and started to put his signature on it. And last year, he went 62 and 135. So it kind of went down the last two years, but he's done a lot of things um, to try to improve it. And I think he has improved it for next year. And I, I don't think he's going to go the whole season without a win week this time. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think... Uh if anything, I think he's moved this from a perennial cellar dweller into the realm of the, uh, you know, the 500, 500, the 500 area team that's going to challenge uh, the East on, on a daily, on a day-to-day basis. I think um, even whether he doesn't match up on the power numbers quite exactly, he's got enough pieces put together on this team that if he if he's really hitting on all cylinders and a team slips up in a category or two, he could really take down a week in a surprise. Oh, oh absolutely. Um, I mean, with the addition of, of Kendry Morales, uh, Ibanez, uh, Dan Ugly, Joey Votto, I mean, those guys, all of them can put up 30-plus. Yep. Um, and they could really put up some numbers. If, and like you say, if, if they start hitting on all cylinders now, he can be tough, and he can shock a few people, that's for sure. Um, he's got a good set of closers, um, two that can, that can easily get 80 saves. Um, in Artsman Broxton, uh, the starting pitching, you know, he, he's got a lot of double-digit winners in the starting pitching. Uh, he's not he's not going to be a pushover there, that, that's for sure. Uh, so I see him being vastly improved this year, I really do. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think I'm actually, I'm impressed with the way he's done it, because not only in pure number, he, he really entered the offseason with a fervor and, 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 you know, as soon as the trading opened, he had seven or eight just bam, bam, bam lined up to go. But what impressed me the most is who he did them with. Um, He's really kind of traded with just about everybody, it feels like. But specifically, I would argue that three of his largest trades were all within his division. And that's something that very few teams, if any of us, have done or are able to do because we're just too worried about what we're giving up in the division and how we're doing it. Exactly. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Look look at the three trades he did in the division. He did it with Baltimore. The Lynn trade you 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 mentioned was with Baltimore, and he got back Hoppin Oswald. Um, right. He got Ugla for me um, well, uh, for Peavy, and there was a pick involved, but but that was basically right. the the gist of it. Um, and then he did the trade with uh, the Gotham's for uh, that closer you mentioned, Jonathan Broxton, Broxton. probably going to be the top closer this year if if numbers are to be believed. Um, and he gave up Lance Berkman and Ryan Franklin, two guys who recent news suggests they're in their last season and contemplating retirement after this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're. Very, very right there. That was a to me. That was a really good trade. He really, he really made off good with it. Yeah, and so I think he um, put together some pieces that pulled in. You know, he, he his pitching, his batting, his, his across the board, um, and he's better in the division for it. So, so I really got to commend him on that. Uh, I don't think many of us could do that sort of thing with three of our division rivals and still come out better in the end. No, no, you're you're 100 percent right there. And I remember. Um, and I don't remember which manager it was. And this was just after the season was over. And the comment was made about him that he was just trading to be trading. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if you look at it now, he was not just trading to be trading. Uh, and like you said, he had a specific way to go. 
and he knew what it was and which way he wanted it. Um, looking at his starting pitching, one thing that I really like with it, he's got a good mix of youth and then veterans too. Um, he's got some guys that are going to get you your 200 innings plus. Then he's got some young ones to mix in with it, and I think that's a very good combination. Mm-hmm. I agree. He's the he's got to be a little worried about injuries. Um, he's got you know Lily um, already injured. Uh, Deadwater right. probably was on a edge to start, but who knew Francis is, is, is potentially injured. Harden hasn't made it through a season. Roy's had some injury problems getting old. Right. So I think that's got to be a concern. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think more than that, I think you're right. The pitching really isn't the worry for him right now. I think his immediate holes are probably in the infield. I think a, a third baseman besides Alex Gordon would probably be a welcomed uh, invitation as well as uh, perhaps uh, a backup outfielder that he'd be a little more comfortable with in, for if and when uh, Victorino and Hart start slumping, as they tend to. Um, exactly. That actually it could hit, but, but there's a lot of uh, wait and see with them. Right. Right. One thing you you mentioned there, and it, it did kind of surprise me a little bit in the draft. Um, he didn't necessarily try to go or address a, a third baseman or shortstop, uh, something in that area. Um, he, he took uh, well the two of note that I've got is uh, Donovan Tate and Zach Wheeler. Tate's yep. an outfielder, and Wheeler's a pitcher, which they're both good picks. There's nothing wrong with the picks, but that didn't. To me, exactly, get him what he what I think that he needs for the future. But then again, um, uh, Brignick, um, Tampa, he's got him in the minors. Um, I mean, that kid may take off, but uh, he's got Bartlett ahead of him. Um, you never know what will happen with that one. Um, then, as far as third baseman go, uh, doesn't have that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, in a, I think, he was in a tough position a little bit in that in that draft and that he had those um, first-round picks, uh, and he had three of them, and I actually traded for one of them, um, and that's right. how he got Detweiler in Britain. Um, but after that, he, I don't think he had another pick again until third or fourth round. I'd have to uh, look more carefully, but I, it, was, it, was, it was way back in the draft. He had to trade for it when he eventually did start picking again. So, you know, I think at that point you have, you're really hard-pressed because when you have that six and seven pick, I think he probably did the right thing. I think Tate and, and, you know, Wheeler, young pitchers, you can have your debate over what, what their value is really going to be unless their name is Strasburg. But, exactly, um, exactly. That's, but Tate, yeah. I think, was a solid pick. And, and the Wheeler, maybe, maybe not. Either way, I think if, you, if he's still thinking about it, if we get closer to the season, uh, I think those are guys that could get you a third baseman of interest from a team who may have an extra one um, as, as a key piece. Now, right. You know whether that's going to happen or not. Time will tell, but uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're right. That's another area he could have really plugged in immediately. But I don't think he felt, from my point, I don't think he felt he was making a run for it. So I think he went younger in the hopes that in the next three years that they'll be there to help him out a little bit more. Well, and, and you're you're 100 percent right when you say the picks could be used to, to get him something else, and uh, and I can see him drafting with that in mind. Um, I think that's one of, one of his. Philosophies, the way you know. Okay, if I draft him, if he works good for me, fine. If he does, do, ends up doing good, I can trade him for what I need. Right. And um, you know, Mike's. Uh, I think Mike looks at that quite a bit. And um, and his minor system uh, is not bad at all. He's he's got some decent prospects down there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I think in the in the future will will pan out for him quite a bit. Yeah, he definitely has the power uh, to, to see what's going to come out of it. You know, nothing's a, a, a for sure thing, but um, he's got a good mix of, of positions on his batters, and he's got a good selection of, of young pitching. Um, a couple are going to be buried in their systems for a while, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they finally come up. Yeah, yeah, and and again, with, with his pitching that he's got now, you can almost say the same thing that we said a few moments ago about his batters. Um, if those guys start clicking and hitting on all cylinders, uh, his starters can do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and you, you made the, the comment about the injury risks with a lot of them, and he does have a lot that you had to be concerned about. But, um, you know, the Ted Lillies and the Jeff Francis's, if they come out of this and do have a solid year uh, and get their 30 starts, you know, he could be pretty tough. He, he, could, he could make you live hard every week. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, and that's really I think what he was looking at, and especially with this, uh, with Burley being added, um, you know, very very recently, I think that's another kind of, you know, a great. I mean, you have you have the Chicago White Sox, I believe, opening day starter. I think they've already tagged him with that. Yeah, so, they've already tagged him with that. They sure have. Uh, you know, that's that's something this team didn't have before. When I looked at the Rockets last season, you didn't look for a number one starter on a team. It wasn't even something you even entertained, but. Uh, this year he's got at least two of them, it looks like. Burley and probably Dempster, I'm assuming, are, is going to be the Cubs opening day. Um, Z might get it, we'll see. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to tell. It's going to be hard to tell. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I, I would say he's going to have a, a much more, for him, a much more fun year in, well, this year, 2010. Um, I don't think he's going to be the doormat every week. Uh, I think you're going to have to, you're going to have to play when you when you when you're up against him. I, I, he's, he's got some pieces that's going to make you take notice. I think. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you know the the, the 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 most interesting thing I think about the way he's built his team is I think he's actually built it with the East in mind more so perhaps than uh, than other teams even. So whereas um, I don't think he's trying to think about taking down the top teams in the playoffs. I think he's really looking at the East and saying, you know what. There aren't many teams here that have top to bottom hitters. So the epidemic, um, you know, they have they have Denard Span and Michael Bourne as two of their outfields, that good guys that could do well, but they aren't going to be hitting for power. Um, Beltre at third, that sort of thing. So he's thinking, as long as I can get a couple of those, like you said, twenty, thirty home run guys in mm-hmm. there, I'm yeah. competitive. Um, and then the the pitching is is I think he's rolling with the uh, as we as we've seen the Earn and Scott uh, Ortmeyer approach of, you know what, part of it's a crapshoot. As long as I can get decent arms in there, we see what they can do every week. So, you know, I, I think, and, and the generals uh, and, uh, are a similar story there. They're, um, they've got very good batters, but they also have some weaker spots like Hudson and Blake in the middle of their lineup that leave some opportunity. Um, I think he's looking to take advantage. I think you're right. That's um, and, and on a side note to that, I think a lot of teams in this league have noticed that. And I've seen some of them, not all of them, but some of them that are gearing a little bit to that way of making sure they've got enough arms to at least, if if everything goes to hell, I can at least throw all I've got and got a chance for a couple categories. And I think a lot are seeing that, and I'm, and Mike is building like that too. Um, and it's not a bad way to go, but... Um, you have a few less reserve batters. Um, you take a little chance on injury there if you lose mm-hmm. somebody key. Um, a couple of the teams last year um, 
there were playoff teams had a very very low amount of starters and reserve batters and I think okay you had no injuries and you know they, they got through it just fine mm-hmm. uh, but when you try to run with okay let's say eight or nine starters and you know, you know how fickle they can be if you get one or two of your main guns gone down uh, you're in a world of hurt because you can't run out and get another starter well, you, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll admit that I think you always can. It's just a matter of I don't know if you want them. Um, well, okay, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and 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 you know, as, as you look across uh, Rockland, he's he's definitely taken a step by step kind of approach of what can I do, and the idea that he's going to be able to compete in all five batting categories and all five pitching categories probably wasn't on the top of his mind. And if you look at his starting batters, he's not stealing bases with that group. You know, it's, no, it's no. power based group. Yeah. Um, Victorino used to be a much bigger threat to steal, and Morales is growing in that regard. But to, but but for most teams, that's not a speed lineup he's got built right there. No, no, um, he will be hard pressed to win win stolen bases week but in and week out. I mean, he, he'll pick up one occasionally. Yeah, well, I think that's why he's made a couple of these trades that I've been that that people and I, I one of them said, "What was that about?" Um, but he just went out and got Coco Crisp, and most recently, lasting Millage, both on the cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are late week plugins. I think if he's doing well enough in power and average, you put in those two in hopes that they swipe two or three bags each, uh, despite going you know two for you know whatever in their in their weekly hits. So I think he's now thinking about plugging some of those holes in the longer run, but but really kind of just in a basic competitive format. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I see with with his lineup that he's doing. And again, that's not a bad way to go. That's um uh, that's okay. Okay, uh, we're going to move away from Mr. Mike, and we're going to go out west and talk about the Wrigleyville Woo and John Aikman. Um, John has done a little bit more this year than I've seen him do in a while. John's usually very quiet when it comes to trades or even trade talks. He doesn't. Uh, he's just not the one you think of when you holler trade talks. But now this year, John has become much more active. Um, his team in the past three years, um, in 07, he was a 100-game winner. He won 100, lost 96. Uh, in 08, he had fell to 77 and 122. And then last year, he pulled it back up a little. He won 86 games, lost 112. And that's a 263 and 330 record over the past three years. Um but he has been going in the right direction since 07. Um, but John, I think, in my opinion, needs to be a little more active in the trade categories, uh, which he has done so far this year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a little bit, uh, you know, I get up and I look and I say, oh, well, well John made a trade? Really? Okay, what happened? <laughs> so he has been a little more. Um, uh, his team is a little down on power, maybe. Um, uh, and probably like a lot of the rest of them, uh, still looking for pitching. Uh, he does have, uh, at my last look, about, yep, okay, he's got 40 on his uh, active roster. So we're going to see a lot of players cut off the woo uh, come start of the season. Uh, what do you look at with him, John, uh, Craig? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you're actually right. The the, the 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 pure number means that either A, he's going to be very active in the next three to four weeks, or B, he's going to be very active in the last two to three days deciding who to cut. Exactly. Uh, 
I, I think he's got I think he's got enough fat that he can probably cut without feeling the knife too harsh. Um, but at the same time, I think he's done a really good job of plugging a lot of these holes. And I think you're right. There's not a whole lot of power there. Um, there's power potential, but it's all young. You have the Jake Fox who right, you know, right. he learns to hit on a regular basis could be very, very consistent, you know, source of power, remold uh, in Baltimore, um, you know, that sort of thing. He got right. two stubs on the cheap, which, which definitely helped. Um, but he's definitely been more active in the trading market. And the, 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 there, there's the three trades that really caught my eye. Um, the first one is actually when he moved Granderson, and, and he's kind of had a, a love fest with Granderson since he's been on the team, so I know how personally it, it hurt him. Well, but, uh, I think that shocked a lot of people. Yeah, well, and he, and he moved him for, for, I think, good power, for Ethier and, and Lannon uh, to, to earn. Uh, right. You know, not, not a, Lannon's one of those pitchers that would probably be a number two and number three on any other team. Um, and you'd really want him. On the Nationals, he's going to give you decent Ks and a good ERA, but he's not going to get the wins. No, no, you're right. Um, but but more, even more impressive than that is how he was then able to turn Ethier into Bumgarner and Jackson. Um, right. That was going to be my next. Yep. I was actually really shocked that went through with the Aggies. I did not think that he'd do that, but... Um, but uh, obviously a lot of love for Ethier on the Aggies because I think Bumgardner is one of those young guys that, that could help the Woo in a much longer term get some sort of foundation around which he can build some pitching. Well, one, one thing I'm looking at that's really impressive, if you look at some of his pitching, um, names like Brett Anderson, Bumgardner, uh, Gio Gonzalez, Jay Happ, um, there's a lot of young ones he's got here that have not, okay, they're, they're showing their stuff, but they've, they've not even come close to what they can do. Yep. And if those guys do do um, what they're capable of, and nothing I'm not even thinking of it was uh, Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, that's uh, right. Um, so next season, but going forward, exactly. my value. So he's got a lot of good young pieces there, and you know, when you look at it and you kind of think, well, okay, this is what he's waiting on. Um but then he turned around and made those trades, which I thought he made some good trades there. And then he actually got Zambrano from you. Yeah. Um, which I think and, probably was a shock to a lot of people, including myself. Well, he did. He did. It, it was about like uh, him moving Granderson. I mean, you know, that that was never going to happen. I mean, in my mind, he would Granderson would be early retired. I mean, so. Yep. Yeah, no, and then that one was actually we Every season we always have the Zambrano talk, and usually it includes me putting up Zambrano and asking for half his lineup. Right. Uh, but but this year was one of those years. I think uh, I think Z's got a few really good years left in him, uh, but but I needed to fill some holes, and I felt it was a good value for for what he did. Um, uh, I think he I think we both got something out of it in that he has uh, the other key piece in that, that that's kind of being talked about a lot, but it's it's a question of how much is hype and how much is reality is Starlin Castro. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, number, I think, six or seven in Baseball America's top prospects. Uh, shortstop for the Cubs coming up. Uh, probably going to be their starting shortstop sometime in the next year, maybe before. I mean, maybe before the midpoint. Um, he doesn't really have any power. Hits for great average. Has all the tools except power. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if Starlin really comes on and becomes kind of that great shortstop they're all hyping him to be. Uh, that trade looks a lot better for John. Um, exactly. exactly. Uh, if, if Starlin doesn't. Um, or Samarja doesn't develop as they're hoping or those sort of things, then it's going to be a bigger question mark as to whether or not the longer-term value is there. But that was the risk we kind of both knew was going into that trade. Right, right. 
And if you if you look a little deeper, I mean, this goes back to this year's draft. I mean, he, he got Ian Desmond, yep. who was a shortstop slash second baseman, uh, and that kid could take off. Um, yep. I mean, he, he's got the good projections. Um, and so he, uh, uh, Austin Jackson, uh, he, uh, that would came in the um, Ether trade. That's right. That was a thumb gardener. Um, so I mean, he he's got some decent young bats to go along with the pitching, and you know he may be a lot better than than he's given credit for right now. Uh, I I just think he's he's been so quiet is what makes it seem a little, you know, okay, he's just there. Um, I think I, I think, think the biggest worry isn't the talent. He's actually done a fairly good job pulling in good talent. I think what killed him or or could kill him this year is situational. Um, kind of circumstances that are almost beyond his control in that he does have a lot of guys that are fighting for starting jobs. He does have a lot of guys who are on that cusp of being too young to make the starting rotation, could be put into the bullpen. Um, and then he also has some really good guys in some really bad situations, like John Lannon, where you don't want him there. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a question about what the Cubs are actually going to look like this year. Is Zambrano really going to be, even at a great pitcher, you know that great pitcher he's been in the years past. So right, right. Um, I, I think a lot of this he's, he's gone with some good people. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of situation they find themselves in and what they can actually do for his team in that regard. Well, that will make a big difference. That uh, will tell a lot as far as how his season will go. Um, I think you could say that a little more with his team than you can quite a few of the others. Um, most of the other teams are fairly well set. Um, you know, there's always going to be one or two spots that you're a little concerned with, but I think he's got more than one or two uh, mm-hmm. to be concerned with. And then again, uh, if you look over at, the, at his closer situation, we can go right back to um, uh, see Amish. Uh, the only thing he's got is J.P. Howell, and uh, I don't think he's going to do the majority of the closing in Tampa this year. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all. That's the only thing he's got as of right now. Yeah, he doesn't, um, that's a, he doesn't have that depth, he doesn't have that opportunity. And the other one that's going to be a big hole for him is going to be two ba- second base because although he has Felipe Lopez in there who just yesterday was signed by the Cardinals, he's been signed in the utility role, so he's not going to get every day at bats at a certain position. Right, They're going to right, try to get right. him in and out, but uh, that, that you know he might be forced to play the Mike Fontenot's or the, you know, that sort of thing mm-hmm. where it's not really going to help you a whole lot on the on the 2B side. Right. Right, yeah, that is a that's a definite hole for him, um, but he he's made some good moves. Um, yeah, I think and, and it's I think, better for the future. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, one thing I'm seeing, especially with the first three teams we've mentioned in um, Rockland, uh, Amish, and uh, John's team Wrigleyville, is these teams improving the way they have, and we've not got to the final two teams yet. Uh, it could make one hell of a, a playoff race this year for the wild cards if if two of these teams or even three of them do improve at this much. Uh, this could be a real real race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and John in particular is definitely I, I you know I don't know if he's he if, if everything goes right he could be in contention for a wild card. I wouldn't quite put him there yet, but um, at, at bare minimum it's going to make the West a more interesting division when he and uh, and Scott Ortmeyer meet up. Uh, uh, and and uh, it will at least maybe take a win or two extra away from the damage in, in what used to be kind of the uh, cream campaign that <laughs> that was those matchups. Well, w- what you're saying is, is um, this is this is one thing I don't think a lot are, are realizing. And uh, actually, me and Ern talked about this the other day. 
that some of these teams that have improved so much, there's going to be a lot of the of the okay, we'll say perennial playoff teams or usually playoff teams that aren't going to win as many games um, because a lot of these teams are going to take some. I mean, they may not beat them on a regular basis, but they're going to take some wins away from them, and that's going to make a big difference. No, I, I, I think overall, and we're, we have a couple more teams to talk about, but I think overall we're seeing uh, most of the. Uh, the peak teams that haven't made it to the playoffs, which this last season were among the bottom of the of the finishers and the top drafters of the result, um, I think we're seeing a lot of them come up, and I think that's that's good mm-hmm. for the league in general. I mean, we're we're seeing more competition, more um, what what you hope to see is that when teams are weak, they have the opportunity to rebuild and come back up to some sort of competitive level. So, um, no, I think you're absolutely right, and that that increase in competitive level is going to make it harder for everyone. To you know, either walk into what they believe is a given playoff spot, yeah, right? Uh, put up those same numbers. Well, I mean, you, you're just going to have to work harder. Uh, that's that's the bottom line. And uh, uh, you, me, and I think everybody else knows you don't go to sleep one day in this league. Because uh, yeah. if anybody's out there or something's to be done, it'll be done before you get back. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you sit on if you you know sit on your laurels and believe that you're entitled to it based on what you've done before, you're going to be unseated pretty quick. Oh. You're deadly wrong because you, you're lucky. You will be unseated in a hurry in this league because there's a, there's a take no prisoners, so to speak. <laughs> yep, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think a lot of guys have seen that. I think and I think the the two things that we'll, we'll probably see this more as we talk even further. But you know, talking about guys who haven't been as active on the trading market really getting active, and the other kind of hallmark we're seeing is that players we never thought would be traded getting traded. Both right. are signs that that. Pretty much in many places in this league, it's being realized that you can't hold the sacred cows. You can't simply, uh, you know, say I'll do anything, but I'm keeping this guy until my team, you know, crumbles to the dust. Um, there's, there's a realization that you have to make some deeper cuts and harder decisions and more aggressive moves to actually keep pace. And I think it's it's kind of catching on in many corners. It, it, exactly. You couldn't have said it better. And then I can say Granderson's name one more time. Um, that's absolutely. Uh, John would never trade him, but he's seen, okay, I can improve the team with this. And we're seeing a lot of teams do that. Um, one I'll pitch out real quick is um, the killer cars when they traded uh, Justin Upton. Uh, I just about fell over. Um, there was no way he was going to trade Justin Upton, but you're, what you're saying is just that you're starting to see that happen. Yeah, you have to because it's just it's it's to be competitive. You can no longer say, I want to have Zambrano on my team forever. You know, at some point you've got to say, I can have Zambrano or I can have, uh, you know, some other guy that's really going to help me right now, and that's that's a decision that had to be made. Exactly. That's, um, and I think it's going to make for very good competition. It really is. It's going to be a lot yeah. tighter. I agree. Okay. Um, we'll jump on down to our number four team on the list, uh, which is the New York Aggies. Um Jeff Arganoff. Um, the team actually has a fairly good record, and it's close to 500. Um, in three years, uh, his record is 277 wins, 313 losses. Uh, in 07, he won 88, lost 103. Uh, 08, he was 83 and 111. And this past season, uh, he went above the 500 mark at 106 and 99. Um, Jeff has done a lot of moves. Um, most recently, as a matter of fact, um, acquiring Jose Reyes, uh, David Wright, um, 
so he's been very active. Um, uh, done some good drafts this year, draft picks. Uh, some really impressive picks, I might say. Um, what do you think there, Craig? Is um, he getting close? I, I think he is. And, I, you know, we talked about this uh, on, on Stuck in the Ivy on a couple different occasions. He was really... Uh, he was really kind of challenging at several points last season to be to be a force to be reckoned with, and uh, uh, you know kind of fell late in the year. And, and having a rod on and off most of the year really hurt him. Um, I, I think it's right. worth noting that that for at least one, if not two, of those previous years, I have, have to go back to my records to see when he took over. Um, you're talking about the Jolly Jesters, actually, uh, under the exactly. management. So. Um, the corner being turned really, I think, can be attributed in, in, in some ways, at least, to to the current ownership. I think Jeff's done a great job in, in making some of those tough moves. Um, I have to say, I think there were some moves that I really kind of liked. The ones you mentioned right. uh, were among them. Jose Reyes, I think he got a really good deal on Reyes. Um, uh, I, that was one where I was kind of surprised that uh, Michael actually did that deal, but, but he got a good mm-hmm. deal on, on potentially the second or third best shortstop available. Um, and then you know he had he had some that were pretty evenly balanced, but I was surprised to see them. The A Rod deal is is right there. Uh, packaging A Rod and Pettit for uh, Bumgarner, Miller, and Wright. Right. Um, I, I given if, if anybody else had these talks, I had had A Rod talks with him previously. Uh, given where he was and what he was really hoping to get for A Rod, I think he really wanted Wright. Clearly, as a Mets fan, I think um, that that kind of was the tipping point on this deal. Uh, and I think it was a fair deal. I just was surprised he actually came down to it and willing to take that value. I thought he would have held out on A-Rod much longer and much further. Well, I did, too. And I'm like a lot of people. I mean, I've, I've tried to, to make a deal for A-Rod um, with him. Um, we never could we never could hit on anything. But um, he he's done a lot with that, um, uh, with, with those trades. Um, power numbers are decent. Um uh, let's see, uh, Ethier, um, and I, I think as long as um, Ethier has Manny behind him, um, he'll be okay. I'm not so sure without him. I think last year when Manny was out, showed a little bit that uh, they could pitch around him. Yep. Um, Carlos Pena, okay, you're not really sure how long he's going to keep yeah. his power numbers up, but... Um, He's gone a little hot and cold of late, and then you know but, David Wright. Is he going to hit like last year or two years ago, David Wright? There you go. That's that's it. Uh, he looks pretty good in stolen bases. Um, uh, he's got a good selection. We got four guys that are double figures and steals. Uh, he's got a couple on the bench, or actually three on the bench. Uh, the bench would, to me, be a little bit of a problem. Uh, I think it's a pretty weak bench in in, in batting average and power. Um, the only thing there's a little bit of help in would be some stolen bases. Um, I think he's benched. That that would be a one Achilles heel for him right now. Uh, the starting pitching is okay. It's it's not. Um, I don't think it's up with most anyone in the South. Uh, maybe the exception of the bums. Um, but he's got some good young ones that that could produce a little. Um, uh, I guess Jeff Weaver. Not Jeff Weaver, excuse me. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Uh, oh, he, had, he had Jeff Weaver down there on the bench. Yeah, um, yeah, Jeff Weaver. But I was looking um, at his. Where was he actually? Wandy Rodriguez. Um, 
Brett Myers, Joe Panero, that's his best starters. And on most teams, those would probably be a number five or six. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, you know, for my pick, I, he really impressed me in our conversations. Um, I, I think the league only got to hear one, maybe two, but I think it was just one. On the draft, talking to him about what he was looking at in the players, um, the, the kind of depth knowledge he had of where he was going, um, he clearly, clearly has that background and, and has really thought through what he likes and what he doesn't like in guys. Um, his draft was very young, um, another one of these 18-year-old, 19-year-old kind of uh, lovins, if you will, for the right. pitcher. Um, Aaron Crow was a little bit older, but that's, an, that's a unique kind of uh, situation in and of itself. Jacob Turner was a great grab, but again, another guy who's quite a ways away. Um, I think you're right. I think, I think that when you look at the pitching, um, it's got to be a little bit of a concern because I don't think, you know, Kuroda is almost a known variable, but he's not. He's in the middle of the rotation. Um, right, Panero is right. kind of all over. He's got good closing. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, yeah, yeah, the closing is very good. Very at that age, he should be able to lock down most weeks. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that there's he's going to be in a position where he's going to have to start guys that he knows are going to hurt him um, on the ERA and, and potentially right. not have the win side. That's right. going to be... If history is to be believed, that's going to be a huge Achilles heel when he actually starts making that push for whether it be the division or the wild card. Uh, right. That, that right. could really be the the stumbling block. Well, I mean, in, in any team, and uh, you, you'll you'll say the same thing just along with any other manager here. You've got to have one, two, three, whatever it may be, starting pitchers that are your shutdown guys. Pitchers that can go out, you need it badly, and you I can take a Roy Halladay, and he'll go out and throw me a nine-inning shutout and get me right back in the the race for the week. Uh, he doesn't have that uh, at the, at this point. But you mentioned the draft. Um, he drafted three pitchers that are very young but are going to be very good, and I think will make a big difference in his team as time goes on. Um, I mean, a few well-placed trades could get him a a number one and number two arm in there mm-hmm. uh, would make him a lot more scarier. And actually, I've kept an eye on him very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in the same division, I mean, you naturally are going to keep an eye on the competition. And uh, uh, he's improved quite a bit enough to you better watch for him. And, um, yep. again, you, you mentioned the closers. Um, I mean, he, he's deadly with that. Uh, he, he's going to be really good there. Um and again, waiting on the young ones. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see because we talked about the the role of sacred cows and and putting the personal kind of grabs. I, like I said, I, I have to commend him. He does a tremendous job on the research, as far as I've seen. Um, at the same time, I think there's some of these moves that are more explained by loyalty than logic. Um, definitely likes his Mets. Has has gotten three of the top that he can. Um, and and uh, on the A-Rod deal, I kind of got the sense that not only was right in there, but even it's mentioned on the board that one of the reasons this got done is because he felt like he had missed Shelby Miller in the draft, and I think he uh, might have overreached a little bit trying to get him back. I think it right. was, you know, that we right, miss right. somebody, we want to get them no matter what. Um, right. I, I think when you give up Bumgardner, uh, when you get, excuse me, he got Bumgardner back with Miller and Wright, but he gave up A-Rod and Pettit. And, you know, when you mm-hmm. talk about needing pitching this season, Pettit's probably only good for another season, maybe two. Um, right. But that's like, that, that Pettit probably would have been one of his best arms had he kept him. I would say he would have been his number one on starter, yeah. And that's telling. When you give up that, and even though he's not a great overall, when you give up the guy who's probably number one on your list, 
that you better be ready for what that impact's going to be, you know, down the road. So exactly, uh, exactly. that's going to be interesting. I think the other one that kind of surprised me, the other deal he did that I guess, and, and this is maybe just a different valuation of players, um, was another one with the Rockets. Um, he traded Hop and Loesch for uh, Ibanez and Para, and excuse me, he got Hop and Loesch, gave up right. Ibanez and Para. Right. Um, and that one, I guess, there's a lot. There's always talk every season about how Hop could go off if he stays healthy and gets a position mm-hmm. and that. It hasn't really happened yet. Um, and Loesch, as a, as a former Loesch owner, um, I you know, I say best of luck, but don't count on it. Um, exactly, yeah, yeah, that's... I think Ibanez is the best power in that, is the best bat in that collection, and Para has just as much, if not more, upside than Loesch. So I didn't, that one I was kind of surprised to see him grab. I'm not, that one I didn't know where he was going. Right. Yeah, that that didn't didn't make a lot of sense to me there. Um, uh, looking at what he needed, and, and even going back to what you said about Pettit, um, arguably would have been his number one starter. And the one thing that I see overall with his team is he has the potential to win every batting category and lose every pitching category. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay, maybe the the saves he could pull out. Um, the balance isn't there yet between the, the hitters and pitchers. Um, I think that's his biggest need right now is to work on that a little bit. But again, um, with, his, with his draft this year and what he drafted, and um, he, he's got uh, Jake Arrieta, uh, so he already had a couple of arms, young ones, uh, that do have a lot of potential uh, that could come up and help him, maybe not this year, but in a year or two. Well, I think you're right, I, but I think the other thing you mentioned is a good good point to make, and that's that his bench isn't deep with the kind of guys you want to play. It's deep with the kind of guys you have to play. Exactly. Uh, and so I think he's got a couple guys we talked about that definitely have a hot cold streak in them, Ryan Ludwig, Carlos Pena, Shopich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, these are guys that don't go in and hit the exact same thing every week. They'll go through a hot month and a cold month, yeah. um, and yeah. you know that those are guys that are going to get the starts because it's, really not realistic to believe that you're going to put Angel Pagan in the place when Ryan Ludwig's cold. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I think there's going to be some of that time that he's going to have to weather and, and look at his depth and think, you know, hard and long about how how much quality do I want in that depth versus how much do I want simply in, in my individual people that are starting. Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and that's that's very obvious with his team, what, what you just said. And, uh yeah, I don't know whether he can push for a playoff spot this year or not. He possibly could. Um, uh, it'll be tough. It's always tough in, in the South. I mean, that's a tough division. It always comes down to the last week, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as wild card, um, I don't know. I, I think with his pitching, I would give him another year away. Um, yeah, it all depends on injuries in the South, I think. I mean, wild cards are wild cards. Who knows what those, what happens with those, but... Um, as he showed last year, Jeff has an amazing ten- tendency to show up for for spurts when you wouldn't maybe expect him to. Um, right, right. Is he'll hit? Yeah, you know. I think actually, I think one of your matchups last year, he definitely hit you at the right point. I think your pitching blew up, and I think he might have taken the matchup in a, yeah, yeah. In a fairly convincing manner. In at least one of those times, if memory serves. Um, you know, and, and those are the kind of cases where you don't necessarily have to be better than someone every week. You just have to be better of them on the week you hit. On the week you hit. That's. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, but it's um, anybody can beat anybody else on a given week. Yeah, and, and, he's, I mean, and, and you have to have a team that has the potential, and I think this team 
what he's done and the way he's built it has that potential. He could go off and he could win those games on any given week. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Well, the real interesting thing with him is going to be see if he's any more trades in him um, or how he gets down because he's another guy who's got nine to ten extra guys sitting on that roster, and um, we'll see uh, we'll see what he actually keeps and what he ends up. Right. I, I think he had uh, if I had this down. I think he had four. He's got to cut or move before the deadline. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, there's still time. It could be trades happening. You you just don't know about that. I think he's got. Well, let's see. He's got. Uh, he's got four extra on the active and five extra on the minors. Right, right, right. So yeah, total of nine. Yeah. That's assuming, and he's going to have to move these guys off of uh, off the DL because both uh, Nice and Nadia are going to come off. So yeah, he'll have some decisions to make. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few in that same position. But uh, oh yeah, there's going to be that yeah. massive urge, <laughs> no doubt. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to leave the Aggies and go to the last team. And uh, this team uh, actually has the best record of all the teams we've went over so far. Or percentage-wise, it's the best. It's very close. Um, Crawford Cranks, uh, Brian Kasky's team. Uh, in the three years, uh, he's got a record starting from 07 of 275 and 308. In 07, uh, he was 99 and 94. 08, he was 102 and 95. Uh, and was improving, and then the wheels fell off the way, and he dropped to 74 wins and 119 losses. But during that time, is it's kind of, you could almost see it coming, he was going to make a big change. That he, um, I mean, the team was going to stand right around 100 wins, and I think Brian just decided right now is the time to do this, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go young, we're going to do a few trades, and... Uh, we're going to see what happens there. And some of the trades and some of the people he's picked up, uh, his draft, in which that's old news. Everybody knows he made like a Hoover in the draft this year and swept up everybody. Um, this team's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. What do you think, Craig? No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Brian, and I would say, instead of saying the wheels came off, I would say come May 08, Brian took the wheels off. Um, exactly. Yeah, that was a misstatement. You're right. You're right. He definitely made that decision of, look, I am competing, but I'm not, you know, not dominating. I can be better. And he said, you know, and he basically just went into reconstruction mode. Yeah. Um, I don't know, excuse me, 09. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, the, the draft we could talk about, but it's been talked about to the point. He definitely added, you know, the, the top th- three at least of the top four uh, guys in the draft. Uh, if you like Tyler Matzik or not, is, is really irrelevant because if you grab Chapman, Ackley, and Strasburg, the rest is, is history. Is history, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think this is such a, a great team in terms of young talent, and there's no real argument with that. Anybody who looks at this team is just smacked with how much young talent he has, and he knows it. Um, you know, you, you see a. Uh, you, you were still getting Hayward updates, and now he's hitting like this and that, and then and oh, now yeah, yeah. looks good. And I mean, he has uh, the the best collection of young people in this league. Now the question and the the issue that I'm going to be watching for is, and I think he's very realistic. I don't think he's expecting a 2010 run. Uh, most will come up probably too late for that. Even if he comes on straight strong right, in the end, right. he's not probably there in the beginning. Um, the bigger <coughs> work though, is. Just look at the ratio of minor league guys that actually fulfill their potential in the majors, and we all know it's pretty sl- pretty small. Very, uh, it is, yeah, very much. 
And I think he knows that better than anybody, and I think that is the other reason he's got so many good ones. He's like, look, if I have, you know, 10 to 12 top young guys, even if only 25% of them make it, I'm going to have four or five of the top guys, you know, available in the, for the next, you know, eight years. I think that's a pretty good pretty good gamble and a pretty good way to go with your minor league system. So, um, you know, I don't think he's going to challenge this year per se. Uh, I think, if anything, he's going to become the late-season spoiler um, to be You could be very right with that. That's Some guys come up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can just start looking at the lineup, and you can almost, with his young guys, almost say, well, this is an all-star team of young guys. Uh, Sandoval. There's no doubt uh, about it. Uh, just go down the list. Uh, Buster Posey. Um, uh, it, it don't stop uh, all the way through. Even, okay, Clayton Kershaw. Um, and then the, you know, the ones you mentioned, the ones he drafted. And a couple of trades. Uh, that I that you know kind of uh, Jake McGee um, he, he's laying down there he uh, he did trade Crawford and Davis away Davis I think is going to be a very good pretty good starter at some point but what he got back draft wise well made up for that um, you know in the bats in, in the minors uh, Pedro Alvarez uh, another one uh, Matt Dominguez. Uh, it just goes on and on of what he's got in young players, and what you said is totally right. I mean, if, if only 25% of these guys do make it in the major league level to all-star or, or just a very good player, I mean, he is really going to be good for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. And, he's, and I, on, on the note of his trades, he's made some very good trades that I just I never would have guessed he could have pulled off. Um, right. You know, right. getting Buster Posey for Hunter Pence, even though he, and he got and he got Alderson with him, but... I think uh, I think maybe I'm just not a hundred pence believer. Given in fantasy, I think his tools are a little more limited. But um, I think that's a great trade for him. He's got a young catcher that could end up being a top five catcher for a long time, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. paid nothing for him. I mean, not nothing, but paid very little compared to what what probably a catcher uh, right now would cost you if you wanted to get a good young catcher in. Um, the 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 he, he Pablo uh, he, he did uh, the, the one I don't think he got as much for was probably Pablo Sandoval. Uh, if, if, if Sandoval had kept his catcher's status, I could see this. But like you said, Crawford and Davis, uh, I thought that was giving up quite a bit for yep. first baseman, uh, first excuse me, third baseman. Uh, right. May end up playing first base, but with with decent power. So all in all, I think he's done a really good job rebuilding. It's going to be interesting to see now if he gets uh, edgy. <laughs> that is, if he wants to keep moving, or if it's going to be another sit and wait and see kind of season for the cramps, uh, like like the end of '09 was, where. Uh, kind of plugging along and just kind of biding time. Well, that that's with anybody. And it, it's it's just human nature that you want to compete. I mean, you simply want to compete, and it, it's not a lot of fun going week in and week out. And you get knocked down seven to three nearly every week, or even worse. And if he's patient with this team, it's going to pay off. Uh, I have no doubt about it. But being patient and and waiting on these kids to come up, okay, if he can do that. Um, you know that that's that'll be great. Uh, I, I can see him having a really really tough team. Maybe maybe the end of of uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, I can't see it. Okay, could be a part of a spoiler by the end of this year. But as far as competing for a playoff spot, I can't see it yet. But I, it's coming. Uh, it very much is. Uh, his starting pitching um, it is okay. Verlander. Um, 
Porcello, uh, and that's that's about it. He doesn't have okay. Kershaw can improve. Um, Phil Hughes, and you don't even know if he's going to start or not. Uh, and other than that, the reserve pitchers are basically you know non-existent unless they you know really kick it up. Um, no saves, uh, no closers. Uh, so that the, the whole p- uh, pitching is going to hurt him really bad to start with. Um, but if he well, can just hold, the, sorry, go ahead. No, if, if he can just hold the line with what he's got coming uh, and not get impatient, like you said, uh, he'll be okay. Yeah. Well, and I think you know he's actually Brian is, is most definitely of everything we've seen from him. Uh, 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 he knows his stuff, and he's a great planner. Um, he went into the draft knowing he had four minor league spots to fill, and he traded for the top four picks in the draft, and then was done. Um, right. You know, and and right now he's only two over on total roster size. So either he, he only has to either cut or trade two guys, and he's ready to roll for the season. Right. Um, we're saying all these things about his team. So I mean, that's you know he's not going after guys that he that aren't going to help him. He's not you know a lot of us may trade and get a throw in of a guy who we think might help us out, but we aren't sure. He's really not working that way. It doesn't seem he's he's going after the guys he wants and ignoring the ones he doesn't care about, and that's that's to be commended. It's going to be interesting to see then if he's calculated right, and that's really what this is all going to come down to. Is right now the numbers that are coming out seem to make it look like he has. Um, the reality, you know, he hopes is going to be something similar, and, and time will tell. Right, exactly. That's um, that's the best way you can set it about his team. Um, looking at it from top to bottom. Um, you, you can just see it being a solid contender for many years once these young guys get up there. Um, and if he can just hold the line and uh, not get impatient, and that's that's hard to do, but so far he's done that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, his work's paid off. He's definitely been able to pull in these top young guys. So Right, right. We'll see how it goes. Well, that's you know. our top five, folks. Um we uh, we want to go over this these because these guys don't get a whole lot of mentions when it comes. It's usually the playoff teams and what's going to happen with them. And uh, this is kind of just checking on the ones that are doing a lot of work. And uh, Craig, you, anything you want to throw in for the show for the week? Um, no, I think it's. I really appreciate being here. I think it's uh, you know looking at these top five, these these, these top five uh, up and comers, if you will. Um, you know, I was just, my my final thought on all this as I look across all sixteen teams and the breakdown of the divisions. Um, the real key is that even if these teams don't end up making a showing in the postseason or or fully realizing kind of the the potential we've been talking about, you know, at bare minimum, what we're seeing is that we're turning. Most of these divisions into solid races, uh, more and more. Um, another team we could have talked about, we didn't because they'd actually made the playoffs before, so they didn't make the uh, theoretic cut for the show, was the Wallabies. Um, but if you throw them into it, you know, you got the East, which now has arguably four teams that are going to beat the heck out of each other. Um, the North has uh, another solid four teams that are going to do so. The South has three, um, with Bayside just kind of still getting its feet under it, but but with right. the Aggies coming up, definitely showing its way. And the West, arguably, I mean, as Scott showed, coming out of, of literally nowhere last year, um, as Crawford starts to continue to develop into that power, is also going to become a three to four team power kind of uh, division. So, um, you know, I think the real takeaway here, and the things people need to, can hopefully have already realized, but if not, take another look at 
is that, you know, it's not going to be one division teams. It's no longer going to be only the damage and only the, you know, the the killer cars being talked about, uh, you know, in terms of these divisions. There's going to be, you know, fight for your life because some of these other teams are coming. Right, exactly. That's um, that's one of the things that's going to make the league parity um, so much better and the competition from top to bottom so much better. Uh, it's going to be hard to, to find a team that's, that's going to be, you can say it's a doormat, um, you mentioned the bums. Okay, they're they're getting their feet wet. They're just building. Uh, he's a few years away yet. But if you take any one of these other fifteen teams, um, anybody can beat you at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's. I think it's going to get a lot, lot tougher. Uh, it's going to take a lot more work. And uh, you had mentioned um, the Portsmouth Wallabies, and uh, I'll throw in just to comment on them. Uh, Right now, the weakest home run hitter they've got in their lineup, as far as projections go, is Vernon Wells with 17 home runs. They've got three guys projected over 100 RBIs and two more at 95. Uh, he has an extremely powerful team this year, uh, and I really think that Brent is going to make some noise. He's got a good young pitching staff. Um, I can see him going a long way. I really can and really making some people live hard um, to go along with the other five we mentioned. Um, so I think 10 is going to be a very exciting year, and I think everybody's ready to get it going. Oh, absolutely. We're all chomping at the bit. Uh, spring training starting this week, and, uh, you know, baseball season again. Baseball season again. Any last words? I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Uh, Brent, uh Obviously can't uh, can't fill those shoes, but uh, they're in a better place right now. So enjoy yourself, and uh, look forward to hearing you back on here next time, big man. Okay, yeah, Brent, have a good one, buddy. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, gave a little insight to a few teams. Um, so this is the old left-hander around in third and heading for home. Night, everyone. Mm-hmm.